I'm Kara Duffy. This is the Powerful Ladies Podcast, and welcome to a special episode for International Women's Day. Well, happy International Women's Day, and thank you guys for being here this morning. Yeah, so glad to be here. Yeah. I love to jump right in and tell everyone listening who you guys are. So I'm going to start with Angie because I'm just going to go around, you know, Brady Bunch style with our squares from my view. Um, Tell everyone your name, what you do, and where you're located in the world. Yes, I am Angie Wisdom. I am a master certified coach, author, and speaker. I am located in Newport Beach and always helping people to tap into their full potential and create that greatness. And full disclosure, also my amazing business coach. Yeah. Ah. (laughs) Uh, Marie. Hi, I'm Marie Garvey. Um, I'm the founder of Crazy Busy Women in Balance. I help um, crazy busy women uh, find joyful success and really learn to live in their power and own their voice and have a better life. And where are you located? Manhattan Beach, California. Perfect. Thank you. Lindsay. (laughs) Hi, I'm Lindsay White. I'm the token Canadian in the group. <laughs> I am located in Calgary, Alberta, and uh, I'm a professionally certified coach, and I coach female leaders, specifically female founders, so that they can be really powerful and effective in their small businesses. And I'm also an organizational development expert, and so I help those incredible founders build inspired places to work, beautiful cultures people, program, process, so they make a great profit. Love it. Okay. So when we were putting this together, my team was like, why do you want a group of coaches for our international women's month and day conversation? And I'm like, well, despite the fact that we run a business called Powerful Ladies and it's (laughs) four years today that we launched this podcast. Yay. So we've got four years, over 200 and something episodes out in the world. We've done all these events for six years now because Powerful Ladies is older than the podcast is, or maybe it's even seven now. And I go, I still run into women who are not taking advantage of the tools and resources that exist in the world. They're nervous to get a coach. They are hanging on to mindsets or habits or thoughts that are holding them back. And I'm like, what if I put a room full of these amazing, powerful coaches who are dedicated to transforming people? I want that conversation. I want the peer-to-peer conversation of how do we solve this problem and get everybody on the you can have everything you want boat. Love that. Right? So when I say that to you guys, like what, what pops up for you guys? Like, is this, are you seeing a need for this? Are you seeing transformation happen? And why do you think people are still stuck? Andy, you can go first. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, Marie, go. Oh, uh, you know, I think the pandemic did a job on women like nobody's business. (laughs) Um, And they're working harder and and more of the responsibility at home. Uh, We're seeing study and after study of women um, at a higher rate thinking about stepping back or stepping out of their career because they just can't handle it. And they don't know how to do it differently. And um, living in that black and white of I've got to quit my job or I've just got to like survive. And to show women options is, I think, you know, so, so important. Yeah. I, 
I agree. And it's interesting, you know, the word balance comes to mind. And, you know, Maria, what you're saying about this black and white, I remember specifically, I've had so many female clients say to me, is there really such a thing as balance? Like, does that exist? You know, um, I don't really believe it. You can't have it all. Like, that's the mindset mm -hmm. that, you know, they have in the story that they're operating off of. So the need for it is real. I think we're stuck because we're playing that same story and narrative over and over again. And, you know, I love that we have a panel like this of women who have the power to go, let's get you unstuck. Let's change your story so that you can start actually having the balance and having it all. Mm -hmm. uh, yes to all of that. I think one of the most important ways that um, I have been shifting that in, in my own life because we are all, we are she, she is us, um, is, is actually to change uh, the lexicon, change the language. So I don't talk about work-life balance anymore because I think that is the language and the metaphor and the myth that actually keeps us stuck. Mm -hmm. Everything has to be equal. Everything has to be balanced. Every piece of the pie has to be the same. And if I don't have that, I'm not perfect and mm -hmm. I'm a failure. Right. So I think this language, because we hear it a lot, oh, you have to have work life balance, work life balance. Why do you have work life balance? You should have work life balance. You just have a pedicure. You'll have work life balance. <laughs> That's total BS. It's garbage. <laughs> I talked about work life blend. Mm -hmm. Let's integrate mm -hmm. it. Let's create a masterpiece of color and shade and, and texture so that there's space for us in all of that, for me, because mm -hmm. I'm the one that makes all of that work. And so I think the first thing we can do is absolutely shift the language, drop the myth, call out the BS, and then redesign from there. Mm -hmm. I love that so much because that's exactly my mantra is it, it's total BS and it's the wrong focus. Yeah. It's like if you're aiming towards that, you're just, it's like perfectionism. It's never happening. Yeah. Um, you got to balance yourself and you got to put yourself at the center of your life. And making decisions based on yourself and not pleasing everybody else and then watch watch everything change hundred percent it's funny because the word balance i always <clears throat> say define balance like mm -hmm. in theory people think oh balance like this perfect you know match of each but i ask people like what what does balance look like to you mm -hmm. do you want 70 percent work and 30 percent personal then that's your balance so it's about like defining you can't have this ideal balance for somebody else that you're searching for, but define your own balance and then we can create from there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things that I'm constantly coaching people on is just the um, automate, delegate, delete. And that delete piece, mm -hmm. I think, is where so much power comes from. And I feel like I've, I've joked with Angie that I think half of my job is just giving people permission like I, there's, I'm not giving anyone like the secret formula. I'm just saying, yes, you can. Sure. Why not? Let's figure it out. Mm -hmm. And even bringing my own life, you know, um, I'm going to ask you to share the name of what we're doing now, Angie, because I'm going to get it wrong. And it's not the Rubik's cube because now that's stuck <laughs> in my head. But we were talking about how I'm so hard on myself in areas. And it's, I think, stickier when you are in a coaching position because you try to start coaching yourself and you're like, hmm this isn't going to work. I can't do it myself. So I bring it to Angie. Um, and we were really looking at how even in all the access I've given myself and the, and the things I've moved out of the way, 
we're always still back to how are we judging ourselves and how are we choosing that? And I think all of you have mentioned, what is your own balance? How are you defining it? And Angie was helping me with the, what's it called? Grading rubric. <laughs> Thank you. The grading <laughs> rubric. So like really give look at what I w- was taking action on and not, and was I even measuring myself against things that I wanted? Like we're so good at doing the the shoulds and what other people are and, oh, like that business looks like it should work. Let's copy that one. And then we suddenly realize that we're grading ourselves on somebody else's rubric in versus our own. Um, how do you guys help people in general and women in particular reset that? Because like, I think everyone gets like, yeah, like I should choose balance my way. Like, how do we get into that? Like, how can people start that who are listening right now to like take steps in that direction? I think you have to first look at, if we're speaking in form of that grading rubric, is look at how you are currently measuring it. What is your definition right now? Because that's usually where the the opportunity lies. And for you in our conversation, right, you were easily able to say like, okay, well, here's where I'm giving myself points for And then when you look at that, you're like, oh, wait, I I don't care about points about making cupcakes for school. I don't care about points for volunteering, you know, for this. We're allowed to say no, but we have to first look at how are we grading ourselves right now so that we have the awareness to know where we want to change. Mm -hmm. And and I think to add to that real quick, to go deeper in the example with myself that we were talking Mm -hmm. about. When we listed out all the things that I was like giving myself guilt for and giving myself F grades for, when we actually looked at it, I was like, oh, I am taking actions there. Damn it. It might be like Mm. a C plus or a B, but it's not an F that I was giving myself. So yeah, side note for that. Mm -hmm. It's so true though, Kara. Like, uh, you know, I do a lot of work with my clients on that inner critic, the saboteur, Mm -hmm. the itty bitty shitty committee, whatever you want to call it. (laughs) I had a client that called it Statler and Waldorf. You know, the two little old guys from the Muppet Show? <laughs> Great metaphor, right? I, I think it, it it is hard if you cannot get a grip, first and foremost, on what that voice is saying to you. Mm-hmm. And, be re- and that is scary work. Mm-hmm. We will do a lot of things as human beings to get away from that negative self-talk to the point where we will drug ourselves or drink ourselves to insensibility, right? Mm-hmm. So getting up close and personal with that conversation and, th- and understanding what it is saying and then using some really cool tools. I mean, we all as coaches have stuff we love to use in this space mm-hmm. and building that mental muscle so that you can quiet that conversation that when you hear it, You view it as a signal that something's up as Mm -hmm. opposed to a beat down, Mm -hmm. right? And when we can get a grip on that conversation, then we can talk about what do I, what do I actually care about? What are my real values here? What are Mm -hmm. the things that are the most important? How do I do more of that and less of should? Yeah. How do I operate from a place of intentionality and less from a place of guilt? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm so glad you talked about values because that's really such a core, like what we work with, with the women uh, in our group uh, is, you know, looking at their life and saying, what do you value? You know, what, how do you define yourself? Like what, at the core, what do you know truly about yourself? Like no doubt about it. And how does that match up with how you're living and the, you know, scores and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And that when we really define ourselves and own our identity, because so often women are owning identity that somebody else gave them. 
Mm-hmm. And um, it usually happened really young. We call it the good girl in our group. Um, it happened really young. And then through their career, they were told to be less than this or do that or this or that. And then they never actually question whether that served them. <laughs> and at the point, like we don't work with 30 year olds. We work with more than more like 35 to you know 55. It's like, you know, you're a grown woman. Like what what's serving you now and who are you now versus all of that? Now you can take a clear eyed look at it and say, is this serving you? What are your values? Who are you? And they kind of reintegrate an identity at this stage in their life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. What is something that each of you realized that you were doing that wasn't a part of your path? Like, is there what's the moment that you realize, oh, I'm doing this and actually that's not supposed to be mine. Like that's for somebody else. Oh, I got a good one. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. I was working in an HR people and culture team. I was working with senior leaders, C-suite executives, and I was a shit Sherpa. I was carrying everybody else's crap. I would have an executive come to me and be like, I have a people problem. Fix it for me. And I would put it on my back and I would keep climbing up the mountain. And I was also at the same time working for a hideously toxic boss narcissistic sociopathic gaslighter like so many of us and I quit in the middle of a conversation with that person because I recognized that I am not intended to be somebody else's shit sherpa that is not my job mm-hmm. I am here to be supportive I am here to be co-creative I I am here as an expert and I am no longer being valued for any of those things in fact I'm being denigrated uh for that work and I left And I haven't looked back. Like I just, I fundamentally just, I didn't set it down. I blew it up (laughs) and walked away. It was like, it was like mission impossible, right? Like you have the explosion behind your head as you (laughs) walk through the scene. That was, that was my moment. Yeah, I was done. I love that. Um, (laughs) You know, hearing yours from like a work perspective, I think mine for me was, um, was definitely personal and I say this is this was one of the big moments that changed coaching for me. Up until this point, I was more of a performance coach and taught people how to get over the finish line, even if you had to lose a limb. And one day my husband said to me, as I was carrying in all these groceries and, and trying to make it through the door, he's like, what are you doing today? You know, he was going surfing and I'm like, oh, you know, doing my thing. And he was like, what thing? And I'm like, well, you know, do the laundry and like all these things. I had this idea that like, once I became the wife, once I became the mother, that my values were, you know, keeping things tidy, doing the laundry, keeping the fridge stock. Like I just took on this imaginary identity and all the values that I once loved before marriage and kids had just kind of gotten pushed out because this is what I thought I was supposed to be, right? Mrs. Brady and maybe Alice actually, but you know, (laughs) it was like, I took on that identity and was like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing? Going back to those values, like, what do I love to do? I've got to get more of that back in my life. I am on the wrong path. Yeah. Wow. For me, I think I was living on this um, mantra of I can, so I should. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was so high skilled in fixing things because I, I do crisis communications for a living and an executive coach for communications. Um, and I mean, I'd go to a, I'd go to an event that had nothing I'd paid $500 for or something to see the speaker. And I'd be watching that they don't have enough seats. 
And I'd be like, does somebody not see that? I think I need to get this person a seat. I can't believe they don't have a seat. I'm like, I wasn't listening to the speaker that I paid for. That was my experience. I don't even know these people. And I'm worried and going to fix that they don't have enough seats. I mean, I was queen fixer and I was taking everything on. Nobody was even asking me and I was taking it on. And then when people saw that I could do it, it was like, oh, well, then here you go. Um, so really stepping back and, and like staying on my side of the street, like, what am I responsible for? My side of the street's going to look fantastic and it's going to be landscaped. I'm going to have beautiful, <laughs> like benches for people. And then on the other side of the street, I can coach and I can encourage and I can even like prompt, but I can't go over there and clean it up and plant it for them. And when I realized that, like my entire life changed. It took a lot to change and reprogram myself because it was so embedded in me. The other thing that I think is so critical in people stepping into what's possible for them is being willing to be really uncomfortable. And Mm -hmm. my experience is that when I tell people what we're going to have to do to cross the street (laughs) or for them to cross their street and clean it up, they're like, ooh, I don't know if I want it that bad. (laughs) So how do you guys... What is your advice on encouraging people to step into that uncomfortable space? And why is that valuable from your perspective? I think there's two pieces to that. One is mindset. Um, How do you view being uncomfortable? I mean, it's just a mindset. You can look Mm -hmm. at being uncomfortable as terrifying and, you know, causing fear and anxiety, or you can look at uncomfortable as like, well, this is exciting. I'm getting ready to grow. I'm getting ready to change. So you have to choose the mindset that you want to associate with that term instead of it being negative, created into a positive. But I also love that you brought this up. You've done 75 hard before, Kara. Yep. And I'm a big fan of always having people do hard things, not because, you know, we need to do hard things, but it, it keeps us in that mindset of I can do hard things. I'm capable of pushing myself and getting over obstacles that seem really, really difficult. Yeah. Uh, Love that. Um, I recently learned, I've been doing a lot of work uh, with uh, some indigenous strategy and, and an organization here in Calgary that has an incredible relationship uh, with our indigenous uh, relatives here in the area. And one of the stories, and I'm not going to do it justice, is around moving from the old camp to the new camp. So, of course, in um, sort of that in Indigenous nomadic way, you would move from a summer camp to a winter camp. And that, in fact, in the, in the, in the preparation and the movement of that, it is uncomfortable. You have to pack it, you know, break everything down, pack it all up. Everybody has to get moving. And, you, and, and, and the, in that space, it's hard. It can be hard work. It can be uncomfortable. Maybe you don't really know where you're going. Um, and it's when you get to the new camp that you find new things. You find, you know, if particularly in the Aboriginal space, you would find new food. You would find new shelter. You would find new exploration, new new growth, new opportunities there in in the new camp. And so, you know, that kind of metaphor that that there's discomfort perhaps in the middle. The traveling, the traveling takes its forms. Um, but the destination can be really interesting and unique and add incredible value. And so that's something that I've really been thinking about in terms of how to articulate 
mm-hmm. why that discomfort has great gifts and opportunities in it. I think, uh, God, I love everything that's been said. Um, I think also it's like the pain gain, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's what's the payoff for continuing. There's got to be a payoff. We don't continue. We don't continue to live in a certain state unless there's a payoff. Um, and it's usually safety, right? Like Comfort. then I won't be hurt. Then, then I won't fail, whatever. And to really, you know, we, we talk a lot about dreaming, you know, in our group because so few women have dreams anymore because they're so stuck in survival mode and they're just getting through the day and they've got so much on their back. It's a to-do list of life, right? And I'm going to get that to-do list done. It's never done because more things come on. And so it's like, well, you know, what's the payoff? You could stay exactly where you are and be trapped in a pretty good life or, or you know, it's like that pain gain. Um, that was taught to me when I was going through my own journey. And I think it's it's peeling back those layers. But at some level, it's up to them. You know, you can show them and you can you can do the pain gain. You can, you know, talk about reframing. At some point, they got to take the leap on their own. And I think that's what coaches get everybody to do is, is get to that place where they can take the leap. But ultimately, it has it's a choice. It's living in choice. And it's, it's, it's always that moment where, you know, you got to give them some tough love and just be like, you know, what, what we're at the precipice here and I can't push you over, you know? Yeah. We're we're making coaching sound really hard and uncomfortable. And I, (laughs) and I, I definitely don't think that's what it is at all. Like my experience is the complete opposite. And I, what I think is really interesting is that most people I'm going to guess this is universal for all of us. We People come to us to be clients or to join our groups when they are in pain and suffering mode. They're like, I've had it. I'm done. I can't do it. Like, we wait until we get the throttle all the way up before we ever ask for help. And what I think is so interesting is that my relationship with having a coach and coaching people is that like... Yes, there might be uncomfortable conversations. Yes, there might be uncomfortable tasks to take at first. And the results are a lot more fun. Like I I want people to know that like the fun part is possible. It's not just about performance metrics. It's not just about more money or more time management or even like living into your purpose, which can feel really heavy. Like there's this fun element to it or, or ease. Like... How how does that occur to you guys in the work you do? And is there a specific example of a client or even yourself that's like really kind of stepped into that space where it's not even result driven anymore? It's just like the aha kind of space. Yeah, it's one of the things I love about coaching so much is that, yeah, there's elements of hard work. Mm -hmm. The self-reflection can feel heavy. Uh, but what's uh, what's available on the other side is absolutely remarkable. Um, I, I, this is sort of a recent example. Uh, you know, started working with a female leader in an organization. Uh, she's feeling all of the things we just talked about. That you know, the work is heavy. The home, you know, the second shift is heavy. Um, feeling all of the shoulds. There's some cultural aspects for her that are that are leaning on her pretty heavy. And in about three or four sessions, able to really support her in putting down some things 
And Marie, to your point, dreaming again, like what's possible instead of what I should be doing. How is this serving me? How is it not serving me? And what do I want more of? So what do I got to set down? What do I got to walk away from? Um, And some of it's just as simple as expectation, right? That it's not going to be perfect. Um, That, you know, you you can't do it all all at once because you only have two arms. And there's only 24 hours in a day. But it, like the relief at, of, for her, that she's sleeping through the night again. Like that's a pretty important indication that you're carrying some stuff. If you're waking up at three in the morning to, to worry and to ruminate. She's enjoying her work um, and, and enjoying the time she spends with her kids because she sees the, the blend of the two things working together as opposed to being at odds that that is transformational for her and it's so gratifying to be a part of that god you'd love to <clears throat> go ahead Marie. i i mean i'm just so inspired i could be here all day to talk to you right? <laughs> um i think for us you know it's really the journey that we take women on is fun because it's really reclaiming themselves and yeah. really learning that, I mean, I just had a client the other day, it's it's about giving them permission to actually be who they are in the world <laughs> and like drop the mic and be a little messy and, and say it wrong and, and ask for forgiveness, but also slay it. Like one of my clients came back to me just last week and was like, I've been, I talk about living with like a blanket over your head or turning down your light. And it's so exhausting. And it's, I want your light fully on because that's how you were made. And let's go see what happens when you do that. And she was like, oh my God, like people like me more. And I'm less exhausted because I'm not self-editing. My inner critic, like you talked about, is not, is silent. But more importantly, I'm just, I'm living in the moment. Like I'm just being me. I'm not second guessing myself. And it is a hell of a lot of fun. And I forgot that girl and she's out to play again and she's fun. And I used to be fun and I'm fun again. And it's just this moment. Yes. The self-reflection, like you said, you know, we got to peel back the layers and we do have to do things differently. And that can be painful if you choose, or it can be liberating. And I think ultimately when you see them, like their shoulders go down and the light and their eyes comes back and they're just at ease and comfort in their skin is just such a gift. And it's such a powerful thing to see. And then they go. And one of my clients of the week one was like, uh, my dream is just to not feel so exhausted all the time. That's all she could come up with. And then she's like, you know what? I think I want to write a book. (laughs) You go girl. Like, you know, it was just, and she has a big job and she's like, I can totally do that because she's not wasting all this energy on Trying not to, trying to be something she thinks everybody wants her to be. Yeah, those are both really great. Um, I love the inspirational stories about clients. It's why part of the, why we do what we do. And you know, I I still go back to the mindset part. You know, we can say that the work is hard, but it's how we perceive it. Exactly. Oftentimes, I love clients to you know create on or focus all on the end result. But if that's where the joy is and what we're doing, and that kind of overshadows the work we need to do, mm-hmm. then we've got to look at that. It's not always, you know, whether you're trying to get healthy and you don't want to go to the exercise class, you're trying to grow your business, but you don't want to do the marketing and the business development. So don't focus on the actual action. 
focus on, you know, the end result. I, you know, am choosing to be healthy. I am choosing to create a thriving business. I'm not choosing to get on the Peloton or choosing to like make cold calls, you know, you're choosing that result. So I think that puts more fun into it. And the other side of it, I like to tell clients all the time, if this work is hard, is it easier to stay where you're at? Yeah. Right. And that's a quick reframe. They're like, um, no, I think I'll take the work route, please. (laughs) I love that. Well, and now I feel like I almost have moved into this semi-masochistic space where like when something is going to be hard or I get challenged in a really powerful way, I'm like, Ooh, we're going to grow. This is, this is terrifying, but we're going to grow. Like I'm, I'm almost encouraging it. And I think it's it's interesting to see how it, <clears throat> excuse me it switches to be something that you are excited to see show up and then to even pivot further to like just start laughing at like i think mm-hmm. i've shared with some of you that like when i was taking jujitsu classes which i have never taken a martial arts class before i was such a novice looked so ridiculous couldn't even do half the things that were like in the warm up <laughs> and so i'm just <laughs> laughing at myself like i'm a maniac because it's so humbling and such a great perspective to be doing something that you're not good at because you can't do anything else but go back to being like six or seven or eight. And I think we forget, especially in women, there is such a lack of play. Like it's just, it doesn't exist. And um, I'd rather people have more play almost than like profit at this point because to your point, Maria, like where's that light? And where's the reframe that, you know, the mindset shift, Angie, it's like, we have to, why are we here? If we're not having fun, why are we here? Exactly. Right. The post-it, it was not fun. I'm not doing it. It's like stays (laughs) on my monitor all day long. When did we stop having fun every day? Like where, where was that commandment? Mm -hmm. Um, one of the things that I think is so critical, and and I and I I'm, I'm using like the royal we, but because I include myself in this, is that we need to redefine and be very clear about what success means. And we've sort of talked about that, but I I think it it is imperative to get crystal clear on that value that we all have, which is success. We wouldn't we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be doing this work if we didn't all believe that. And so. Uh, you know, for so many people, success equals money, equals the dollars in your bank account. And that is the metric. That's one measure. How else are you defining success? And Kara, I love it. Part of being successful is having fun every day. You know, Angie, part of being successful for your client is getting on that Peloton and feeling that energy level shift, right? Like that, I, I think, that's so important because our definition of that value becomes so incredibly narrow. Yes. And I, you, I, yeah. Sorry. No, go ahead. I, I'm just inspired. I honestly, I, I say, always say that my company, that I'm on a mission to change the way women experience success yeah. and to find joyful success because they don't ever, we don't ever put joy and success together as women. <laughs> It just found, I mean, and so many women are holding back what they really can do because they're, they're in this tug of war of life and work. And they think if they go after that big job, they're going to have to give up more on this. And it's just like, drop the rope and let's redefine what success means. You get to pick, you get to pick, you get to step back. If you want, you get to go forward. You get to take a left or a right. You get to, you got to be in choice and, 
And joyful success is like, it's, it's liberating. And what does that look like for me? It looks very different than any. And that's what's so fun when each woman comes in, they're so unique and what they choose is so different and they get to find the joy in, in being powerful. Mm, love which it. Which is another thing women have a real hard time with. Yeah. It's, you know, that you're talking about defining it, which is so important. I, I'm sure you all experience this. Like clients come to us and they, they want something. I want the success. Oh, I want financial freedom. I want balance. I want peace. Like whatever they want, they have this definition borrowed from someone else, maybe through social media, maybe through reality TV, who knows, maybe from childhood, but it's about defining exactly what that means to you. And, and I love that we're talking about success because the tagline that I use is, you know, create meaningful success yeah. and a life that you love. And when we talk about meaningful success, that means that you have to determine what makes it meaningful for you. There yeah. is no like, oh, we have to check this, this, and this for it to be success. Define yeah. it how you want. Yeah. And then it's okay to want that to be financial success. Yeah, absolutely. I know for me, right? Like I, yeah, that I want the corner, like that's okay. Cause I know for me that that has, you know, that's been a narrative for me in the past. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And I I think for many of us, we have to be all right with that. uh, Yeah. I want to make this kind of money. I want to have this level of role. I want this in my job title. It's okay to ask for that and go get it. Yeah. And have yeah. fun doing it. <laughs> have fun doing so, it right? As long as you want it. Yeah. yeah I go feel for like it. it's so hard these days in terms of like everything that we're exposed to. I mean, you know, I'm aging myself, but if you think back to, you know, when I don't know, I started my career in the financial industry, you know, 27 years ago, we didn't have this comparison. We didn't know what success looked like other than, you know, the guy in the corner office or something. We could only see what we saw versus now it's everywhere, right? What does success look like on social media, on TikTok, on the news, on this, that we're constantly, you know, stealing somebody else's definition of it. Well, and I think also you, you know, the, I think another challenge is, is it too late for me? And people think this at 21, you know, 35, 56, 82. Like there's this lie that, well, I'm too far down the road. I just need to accept it. So what do you guys say to when people can have the life that they want? I don't even think that is like a lie. I think that's a comfort excuse. You know, I think that is the reason why people are like, well, I can't do that because it would be really like scary to go towards what I want. But Mm -hmm. I don't think it is ever, ever too late. I had a client a while ago. um, She was 56 years old and she went back to school to get her degree in psychology and now has a thriving practice. So it's never, ever, ever too late to find joy. Never. Yeah. And, and, you know, the sign behind me is something my dad used to say, and it's actually what um, the core program is called dream big, revise often. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I worship that because life is going to hand you curveballs, right? And what are you going to do with them? But also what do I want to do next? How can I, okay, that dreams come and maybe it looked like I wanted it to look like, and I'm going to live it for a while, or it didn't look anything like I thought it would. And I don't want it anymore. What, 
what comes next? How can I dream even bigger and revise always and check in with myself instead of living something else that other people are? It's supposed to look this way. So I should be happy to really, you know, go after it. It's never too late to have the life you want. And I think that I loved what Angie said. It's it's an excuse. You know, it, it's an excuse because if you believe that, then there you go. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that exactly it? And I, I love to do that with, I, I had a, 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 a new client yesterday and it happened to be a man because I do, I work with men as well, but that was sort of his thing. Well, I'm pretty old. Uh, you know, I've been doing the same thing for a while, right? So just kind of not saying that quite out loud, but pretty close. And, and my response to that, you're only too old if you want to be. You only are past, you only have a past due date if you, that's what you want it to be. Is that, is that really what you want? If that's what you're choosing, it, as you both have articulated, if you're choosing that right now, I'm in the right space, this feels good, that is super cool. If you are picking that on purpose, fill your boots. Mm-hmm. But if you don't want it to be, then the only thing standing in your way is, a, is your own conversation. So mm-hmm. let's figure out where that's coming from and tackle that and shift that mindset to Angie's point. But that, that is, that is the only thing that is causing it to be too late. Absolutely. And I think what I want women and everyone listening to know is that like, we need you to step into your greatness. So if you don't choose it for yourself to start, can you choose it for the rest of us, please? (laughs) Like, can you choose it for your kids, your families, your friends, your community, your colleagues, the people on your team? Like, like I, the uh, what's underlying my desire to help people wherever they want to go is that I need more people shining their light bright. Like you were talking about, Marie, like there's so many problems that the world needs to have solved or that we can improve. And most of the problems that we have today, we have answers for. Like there's very few things where we're like, hmm, nobody on this planet has any idea how to do this. Like that's just <laughs> not true. Like most things have some sort of solution or path, or if not the 20th step, the first 10 steps that no one's still doing. And I look around and you see all of these people who are so concerned about things that do not matter, that they do not want. And I'm like, if we got, if we conmarried all of that out of our spaces, like what could we actually create? Like there's so much opportunity and possibility. Um, Like, so I guess I'm inviting anyone listening to like step into that as soon as possible because there's a lot of work we all got to do and it doesn't have to be at this grand changing the world scale but can we change your house can we change your street like yeah. it the the impact is the same level of significance um from my perspective so when you think about why you've gone into coaching like what is one of those under like the seven layers deep, what's one of those deeper things you're like, I'm doing it because of this. And that's behind the scenes for the actions that you're taking. I want nicer people around me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be really honest here. (laughs) I want to walk around and have people be joyful and, Uh. you know, filled with passion and love. Like you all know what it's like to be around people like Mm -hmm. that. And you probably the same thing I do where people say, well, you're so lucky because everyone you're around is like <laughs> filling themselves up and working towards greatness. 
And it's true. And it's like, gosh, imagine if we were to walk around out there and everywhere you go, people were living to that caliber and enjoying their life that much. I mean, that is my selfish reason behind coaching because it's possible. Everyone can walk around tapping into their full potential and living their most joyful life. Yeah. Yeah, I do it because I, you know, I know the impact that female-led businesses have on communities and economies. Mm-hmm. And fundamentally, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> so if I'm a female founder, if I'm a female entrepreneur, and I am not, as Angie said, living fully and living joyfully and really authentically leading myself and my business and my family and my team and in my community, then I'm not doing it. And the ripple effects are remarkable because Mm -hmm. if I have 20 people in my business and they are being led by me effectively, they're going to, I'm going to grow them as leaders and they're going to grow other leaders. And the, like it is, it is underneath the surface. Those ripples just continue to grow um, inside and outside my business, inside and outside my family, inside and outside my community. So that's why I do it hundred percent. Oh my goodness. Um, for me, I know this is going to sound um, lofty, but I really believe that if every woman turned on their light to the maximum capacity, we could change anything in this world. And if women stood up and got comfortable with power and leading at their maximum capacity, the world will look remarkably different. Mm-hmm. And so often people are working really hard to um, quiet women's voices. Uh, and women oftentimes believe it. Mm-hmm. And if we can change that and let women be who they are and shine their light, I think that we're more capable of handling complex issues and leading other people and collaborating with other people to come to that light. Yeah. I mean, when we look at leadership and the way it's transformed and it's currently transforming with all the diversity and everything that's going on in the workplace, Women are more suited for handling that type of leadership because they're collaborators, they're intuitive, they bring people in. It's not my way or the highway kind of dictatorship leadership that used to be, and that worked for a while. It's not what the world needs anymore. It's not what companies are recruiting, but oftentimes women want don't believe that they can earn that role or take on that role, and so they're not getting the leadership positions plus some society stuff, but oftentimes they opt themselves out. And so if we could get women leading and being comfortable with light and power and their own light and power, I think everything changes. And I know that sounds lofty, but I believe it with every fiber of my being. I am totally right there with you, Marie. And I think all of what we said around the reason, you know, they all come to a center point, whether we're talking about women leading and turning on their lights or, you know, joyful women-owned businesses or just happier people. It's all about everyone showing up as who they are with their full potential, with their lights on, so that we just create a much better world. <laughs> yes. Yay. Yes. And I think women could do that because people follow us because we're heart-led in so many mm-hmm. ways. And it's authentic. And um, it's there's trust there. And I think that that I think it's happening. I really do. I think we're in this sea change. Um, but, and it's going to be remarkable, uh, and any little step 
or pebble I can put in that ripple effect uh, is something that gets me up in the morning. The one thing that kind of jumped out to me is like, we're all giving all this like amazing insight and we're empowering people and inspiring them. But I think the problem that happens with women is that it just seems so big. Yes. Right. Like, oh my gosh. Like how am I supposed to find this joy? Like, how am I supposed to light my light? And all of this, is there a way that we can incorporate, like, look, don't look 12 steps down the road. Let's just start with this one thing. Can we each give one thing that people do right now to step towards that joy, to step towards their light so that they've got a real action item and aren't just going, wow, that really sounds great. But Uh, I love that. I love that. Yes, absolutely. Do you want to start, Angie, with your one thing? Um, I would say, look at your values. Um, you know, do a values assessment. I, I'm happy to give one for you to post, Kara, but understand what fills your cup. Because when you know what fills your cup, you start saying yes to the things that are important to you, and you start saying no to the things that aren't. And that one bit of alignment right there starts to create joy in your life every single day. Amazing. Thank you. Marie. Uh, The one thing that I would love for women to do is change the way they start their day. Mm -hmm. So don't look at your phone. Uh, If you have, if you use it for an alarm, turn off that alarm, set it down and take three deep breaths. Name three things you're grateful for and set one intention for the day. And if you forget to do it when you wake up, do it, you know, somewhere. But honestly, getting quiet and setting your day in that way has a remarkable shift. And when you do it for seven days straight, you will see the shift. And the intention could just be, I'm going to be focused today or I'm going to be happy today or whatever it is. But it's three things you're grateful for. And taking three deep breaths and one intention for the day. Of that. I am 100% doing that. (laughs) Um, These are both awesome. And so now I'm like, oh, how do I? Um, I think one of the most powerful things, and I'll offer this because it was impactful for me, is, and I'll, Carol, I'll send you the link, is uh, spend five minutes and go do the Positive Intelligence Saboteur Assessment. It's free online. Find out who you're up against. (laughs) Find out who that nasty little voice in your head is and what they're saying to you and the lies, the lies that you're telling yourself. Um, That that is very insightful. It only takes a few moments. Um, And if nothing else, it'll validate that it's not just you, that there's a lot of other people in this world that are having that same internal conversation. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great one. Mm -hmm. I would tell everyone to spend you know, maybe five minutes a day, put it, plant the seed in the back of your head, think about it for the next week. What did eight-year-old you want? Because mm-hmm. I think that's a really magical age of being right on the cusp of believing anything is possible, but also having some tentacles into how the world works. And I think we forget, like, are we making that person proud and what do they want? And whenever I go back to that, when I'm making that eight-year-old Kara proud, I know I'm doing the right thing, but it also reminds me of like, what would, what did fun look like? Mm-hmm. And so that would be my, my advice for everyone to go and look at. Mm-hmm. Love awesome. It. Awesome. 
now we all have new advice that we can I use know. from each other too. It's so fun. It <laughs> might have been a selfish uh, thing I wanted to do here. I just took in wow. three great pieces from you all. I love it. That's a great idea, Angie. Thanks for offering that. Yeah. yeah. Part of what um, makes me, brings me peace by doing the Powerful Ladies podcast is the relief that there are amazing women like you who are working just as hard, if not harder than I am to hold up that space. And I really am left feeling like, okay, like the more powerful ladies we're adding to this community, the more women I know that we're like holding hands side by side and we don't need to carry the weight of these big, um, potentially lofty, you know, goals or, or selfish reasons that we're doing it. So you know, just thank you guys so much for sharing your wisdom and your light with um, me and everyone who's listening to this episode and everyone that you're working with on a regular basis. Uh, each of you are so unique. And I'm sure there's someone today who has been like, I think that's my person. So before we wrap up today, let's tell everyone where they can find, follow, or contact you uh, if you are the person that they've been looking for. Um, Angie, let's start with you. Where can people find and follow you? Sure. Uh, the name is pretty easy. So if you Google Angie Wisdom, it pops up. Um, Instagram is Angie Wisdom Life Coach. My website's Angie Wisdom. Same on YouTube and LinkedIn as well. Perfect. Marie, crazybusywomen.com. All <laughs> you the can things. find us everywhere. <laughs> Crazybusywomen.com, crazybusywomen on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn, uh, Marie Garvey as well. Lindsay. Hey, I'm totally stalking all of you immediately <laughs> after the conclusion of this recording. Um, it's uh, highvoltageleadership.ca. You can find me on Instagram, highvoltleadership. And uh, yeah, I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn too. So Lindsay, Lindsay White on LinkedIn, come and, come and find me. Well, guys, again, thank you so much for who you are in the world and what you're doing and the impact you've had on my life. Um, it means so much to get to have kind of a peer-to-peer -peer conversation today and to just be the example that there is so much room for everyone to be doing their thing in their way. And um, thank you for encouraging everyone listening to step into their light and their power and find that joy that we're all seeking. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Kara. So nice to meet everyone. All the links to connect with Angie, Marie, and Lindsay are in our show notes at thepowerfulladies.com. Please subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening and leave us a rating and review. Come join us on Instagram at Powerful Ladies. And if you're looking to connect directly with me, visit caraduffy.com or cara underscore duffy on Instagram. I'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, I hope you're taking on being powerful in your life. Go be awesome and up to something you love. Oh,